You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Today, I present to you the heartwarming story of a man who dedicated much of his life to ensuring that Christmas became a truly special occasion for children all around the world. Devoting nearly every moment of his day to this cause, his straightforward aim was to bring joy to young hearts during the holiday season. In his workshop, his helpers tirelessly worked throughout the year, diligently fixing misfit toys and crafting new ones. Yet somehow millions of these gifts would find their way to where they needed to go. This man derived immense joy simply from the knowledge that countless children would have presents to unwrap on Christmas Day. Most people would assume that this man lived at the North Pole and his name was Santa Claus, but that is not who I'm referring to. Instead, his workshop was located in Oklahoma City, and this Santa's name was Dan Vinson. And he was an unassuming man who really did give away millions of gifts. But as you'll soon learn, he did much more beyond his gift giving. Now, Uncle Dan, as he's affectionately known, is long forgotten today, but he may possibly be counted among the most generous of individuals in history. I am Steve Silverman, and today I present to you the wonderful story of the beardless Santa. This is the Useless Information Podcast. Useless Information On a winter's day in 1944, Dan Vincent made a stop at the State Training School for Negro Boys in Boley, Oklahoma. All of the young men were at the training school because they had been previously incarcerated in McAllister, Oklahoma, which lies approximately 55 miles or 88 and a half kilometers southeast of this training school. Now, just why Dan Vincent was there has been forgotten by history, but one thing is certain. His life would never be the same after this. In his car that day, Dan had a half-filled box of candy bars. So he reached inside and proceeded to hand its contents to some 35 boys. His generosity earned him the nickname Uncle Dan. Years later, he'd recollect, quote, The way that little box of candy is received, I knew there was a place for someone to take care of boys like that, unquote. Dan William Vinson was born in Lenoke, Arkansas on February 27th of 1884. And Dan struggled quite a bit in his early days. He had worked as a circus troop cook, as a translator and instructor at a Native American school, and he readily admitted that he had gone broke several times. 
but he finally found success with his invention of vincinite. That's his version of what we call asphalt or blacktop today. At the time of his stop at the state training school, he was 60 years old and the father of five children. That's three boys and two girls. And while he insisted that he wasn't a millionaire, Dan was said to be financially set for life. But the reaction of those boys to the chocolate bars really struck a chord with Dan. As soon as he got home to Oklahoma City, he went about obtaining a load of broken toys, repairing them, and then handing them out to those in need. Then Dan ran into a small problem. That's because he had more toys to give away, but no one to give them to. So he called a local radio station and they told of what Dan was attempting to do. Suddenly, the Vincentite offices were inundated with phone calls. His staff, well, they had no clue what was going on, but after Dan explained, they were all now in the Santa Claus business. Not that Dan really looked anything like Santa. You know, while he was tall, jovial, and had white, heavy eyebrows, he lacked the classic bushy beard. Instead, he was nearly completely bald and clean-shaven. The reality was that Dan Vincent had always had the reputation of being a generous man. In the early days of Vincent, he would traverse Oklahoma distributing chewing gum and soft drinks to highway workers. Naturally, his underlying strategy was that the workers would then go back to their bosses and tell them about Dan and his Vincentite, which of course would lead to increased sales. He was also fond of giving away frozen chickens and strawberries to friends and business relations. He explained, quote, A fellow in my business has to hand out something. Not that I'm so good, but I don't go for whiskey. If I give a fellow a bottle, he drinks and then goes home. His wife asks, Where'd you get that liquor? I thought you weren't going to drink anymore. He says, My old friend Dan Vinson gave it to me. She says, Well, he's no friend of mine. So I give them chickens and strawberries. The whole family has a good meal and they all like me. Unquote. Uncle Dan's giving of repaired toys, clothing, and candy would grow with each passing year. But obviously he couldn't do it alone. Friends and business acquaintances all chipped in. Not only did they provide many of the gifts, but they also helped with both the storage and distribution around the region. By the time the story first hit the news for Christmas in 1947, Dan Vincent's gift-giving operation was filling up a lot of donated warehouse space all around the city. The following year, he had three storage buildings, each spanning approximately 3,500 square feet, or 325 square meters, and they were all brimming with gifts. In addition, his gift-giving had broadened its reach, sending 23,800 gifts to underprivileged children in Oklahoma, 21 additional states, and even reaching as far as Frankfurt, Germany. The operation now occupied two floors of the local Boy Scouts headquarters. Gift packaging took place on the second floor, and toy repair, which was done by the Scouts, happened on the third. For the 1949 holiday season, Uncle Dan sought to expand the program further. His goal was to give Christmas presents to 300,000 children. And you're probably wondering, where is he going to find these children? Well, the answer was in prison. Well, not exactly. The children weren't in prison, but their fathers were. 
The 65-year-old Vincent announced that all any inmate in the United States, Canada, or Mexico needed to do was contact him and let him know that he was unable to give his kids gifts. And from that little tip, Uncle Dan would make sure that Santa made a visit to those children that year. Dan explained, quote, I have helped some 500 paroled persons, and their main worry is usually about their children. Well, I decided to try to do something about it. He added, There are thousands of children who have never opened a package of their own. These kids haven't committed any crime. Unquote. And sure enough, as Christmas approached, hundreds of letters poured into Uncle Dan's office every single day. A 13-year-old boy, unsure where to send his letter, wrote the following to the Associated Press, quote, Could you send me the name and address of the man that sends children presents whose fathers are in prison? Sincerely. Unquote. A prisoner wrote, quote, I've been in prison two months, first time for me, and I've been thinking quite a lot about my children, how they would spend Christmas with no father for a Santa Claus. I sure will appreciate anything you send them, as I know they will be very pleased. Unquote. And then there was this letter from a death row inmate, quote, Would you place Santa Claus for my children? Please send the package directly to them. I won't be around Christmas. Unquote. That letter writer was scheduled to be executed on December 19th of 1949. Of course, Uncle Dan made sure that every one of those requests was filled, and here's how it worked. The gifts were packaged in a plain envelope and delivered to the prison. A tag in one corner bore the prisoner's name. As Dan explained, quote, And all he has to do is jerk off that tag and shoot the package on home with his name on it, unquote. And it really was that simple. The only thing the prisoner had to do was write his name on the package. And in that way, the child would believe that the package was coming directly from their dad. Now, gifts to impoverished families were handled similarly, although each package was marked with an Oklahoma City post office box number as the return address. There was absolutely nothing on the package that told of its true origin. But there was a note attached telling the postmaster that, quote, if for any reason you're unable to find the addresses, remove this tag and give the package to any needy child, unquote. At this point, the program had grown so large and nearly all the toys were brand new. Now, many were donated while others were made from military surplus materials. I mean, keep in mind that World War II had just recently ended, so the U.S. Army and the Air Force were able to donate large quantities of aluminum, plus the nylon and silk that they used for parachutes. Dan estimated that at least 2,000 people across the state had volunteered their time to fashion gifts out of this donated material. Assistance came from scout groups, civic organizations, church groups, and just about anyone else who was interested in helping. In addition, some of the work was farmed out to individual homes where neighbors would join together after dinner and craft the gifts. Not only was the labor free, but so was the shipping. The U.S. Air Force, trucking firms, and express shippers all provided their services free of charge. An article in the December 18, 1949 edition of the Daily Oklahoman stated, quote, Uncle Dan's gift collection and distribution system is so fantastic, so sprawling, and yet so quietly and efficiently run that he makes the original St. Nick's Christmas Eve maneuvers seem as simple as sliding down the chimney. Unquote. I should mention that the gifts that each child received were very simple things, and they had very little monetary value. 
but they were chosen to simply bring joy to the recipient. And of course, the contents of each package varied, but could include some combination of balloons, water pistols, airplanes, buzzers, yo-yos, nylon scarves, hats, purses, dolls, and of course, candy. What kid doesn't love candy? And clearly, some of these toys were intended for girls and others for boys. But the one thing that was in every single one of these packages was a ruler, and it had Vincent's motto printed on the back, quote, Let's all share what we have today with the little kids that didn't have enough yesterday, unquote. Perhaps the most interesting part of the entire operation was that Uncle Dan did not want the spotlight to shine on him. He only agreed to interviews to promote the program, not to draw attention to himself. Credit for the work always went to those involved. He said, quote, Find those volunteers and the people who give toys and the ones who make playthings from fabrics, metals, and cardboard all year round. They're the ones to get thanks and praise. The following year, he told a reporter, quote, You have a lot of people sold on the idea of doing something for someone else, unquote. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now get this. For Christmas in 1950, more than 1 million children received as gifts throughout all 48 of the United States, plus Alaska, Canada, Mexico, Cuba, Central and South America, Germany, and the Philippines. That same year, the Dan Vincent Foundation was established to run the program. And while his friends believed that Dan was spending a significant amount of his own money to fund the program, he would never admit to doing so. In addition, he refused all cash donations. Dan was offered for free warehouse space in an Oklahoma City automobile dealership. It was there, at 825 North Broadway, in what is known today as the Hudson Essex Motor Car Building, that Dan Vincent's Santa Claus toy shop was set up. The owner of the building explained, quote, Dan's always around here with a doll or something, talking about what he's planning to do for kids. I've asked him several times if I could help him, but he would never take any money. That's a new approach, and I was impressed. When the time came that I could help him with some space, I knew he'd make good use of it. Unquote. 
1951, Dan planned to add even more children to his Christmas list. To do this, he planned to ask police departments across the nation to distribute the presents. His logic was that underprivileged children typically had a negative perception of police officers, while many policemen had a similar view of those children. So with the officers handing out the gifts, he hoped to use the Christmas spirit to bridge their mistrust of one another. In the end, an estimated 7 million toys were sent to over 2 million children. Wow. But Uncle Dan wasn't just focused on Christmas gifts. He also arranged to get much-needed supplies and equipment into poor country schools. He arranged for doctors and hospitals to provide medical treatment for those who could least afford it. When the town of Kanawa was planning to build a public library, Dan donated enough tile to cover the entire exterior of the building. He also donated two overhead heaters for a new American Legion building that was being constructed in Oklahoma City. And I'm sure there's more that was never reported. Yet Dan never lost focus of those who were incarcerated. By 1951, it was reported that he had helped some 1,000 paroled men get back on their feet after their release. A bill that echoed a plan that Vincent had crafted to help parolees went before the state legislature that year, but unfortunately it wasn't approved. Then, on Saturday, November 1st of 1952, Dan Vincent made the shocking announcement that he wouldn't be sending out any gifts that year. He blamed it on two factors. The first was that the program had grown so large that it needed to be both streamlined and reorganized. And second, he felt that a national radio report had misrepresented what his charity did, and it was hurt by the negative publicity. As a little side note, I did a lot of research trying to find an article that would mention what exactly happened, but I didn't find anything. But I can tell you that Uncle Dan did promise to start the program back up for Christmas of 1953. Dan had written letters to 84 prisons explaining that he'd be unable to distribute gifts that year. He was soon besieged with letters from both prison officials and prisoners, so he decided to restart the program. Quote, I changed my mind and sat down and wrote another letter to all of them. All a convict has to do to get his children's name on the list is to write to me. Any convict in any prison anywhere in the world who writes us can be sure we'll take care of his kids. Unquote. He added that all one had to do was address his request to, quote, Uncle Dan Vincent, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The post office knows where to find me, unquote. But that was basically the last gasp of his Christmas-giving project. On October 6, 1954, he announced that he wouldn't be giving away any toys that year. But he did mention, quote, However, letters already have come in, so I'm going to send the material to prison chaplains and to police departments, they can carry on from there if they wish, unquote. The reality was that Uncle Dan was now 70 years old, and he now had an even bigger dream that he was working on. It all started during the summer of 1950 when he hosted 50 underprivileged children at a camp that he leased near Stringtown, which lies approximately 110 miles or 177 kilometers southeast of Oklahoma City. It proved to be such a success that the following year he rented the Minnetonka Lodge near Clayton for 45 days and entertained an additional 512 kids. And then he repeated that the next summer. 
1954, he moved the camp to the old Seeger Colony, which was uh, formerly a Native American boarding school in Colony, Oklahoma. It was here as a young man that Dan helped teach modern agricultural techniques to members of the Arapaho and Cheyenne tribes. He looked back fondly on his days there, and he knew that this picturesque location was perfect for expanding the camp to someday entertain thousands of children. There was absolutely no fee for any child to attend what was named Uncle Dan Vincent's Kids Colony. Each stay was for two weeks during the spring and summer, and the only requirements were that the sponsoring organization, you know, whether that be a police department, charity, or whatever, that they pay for the transportation to the camp, and that one adult accompany every 10 children during their stay. Now, there were just four rules at the camp. You ready? (laughs) One, there will be no water in the daily orange juice. Two, there will be no filling in the pie. Three, and I love this one, everyone must eat ice cream at 2.30. And four, there will be no seconds. Now, Dan did explain the rationale for this last rule. Quote, the children have three or four or half a dozen helpings of any food they want, but it's still firsts. We don't want them to be embarrassed in asking for more. Unquote. Now, as successful as these camp outings proved to be, it was not intended to be a permanent home. It was meant to be transitional until a permanent location could be constructed elsewhere, preferably closer to Oklahoma City. So in 1959, construction of that new camp began on a site that was just a few miles southwest of Binger, which lies approximately 50 miles or 80 kilometers west of Oklahoma City. There, Dan had leased 160 acres and then purchased an additional 160 acres of adjacent land. Central to the site was a beautiful 10-acre lake that was nestled among sandstone bluffs. The plan was to build 25 cottages, each large enough to sleep 20 boys or girls and their counselors. One of the first buildings to be completed was a brick cafeteria that could feed 650 guests. All the buildings were to be both air-conditioned and electrically heated. But there was one big problem, and that was there was no electricity in the area. But that detail did not dissuade Uncle Dan. He convinced the local utility company to both install the transmission lines and to supply the power for free. In fact, nearly everything was provided at no cost. The bulk of the building materials were donated, The state legislature provided the funding to purchase the bricks. Fifteen prisoners and a guard from the state penitentiary at McAllister were transferred to the site. And each of these men had different skills. That could be carpentry, bricklaying, plumbing, operating heavy machinery, and so on. As Uncle Dan noted, quote, Who ever dreamed of doing something like this without money? Unquote. The plan was that once the camp was completed, children be able to swim, fish, go on long hikes, and even take rides in a jeep. As a bulldozer cleared space for a picnic area, Uncle Dan commented, quote, If only I could have had this type of playground when I was a boy. How odd I would have been by the beauty of this spot. Unquote. Sadly, Uncle Dan Vincent passed away on January 26, 1966 at his brother's home in Tulsa. He was 80 years old and is buried in the Yukon Cemetery in Yukon. Now, that's not Canada. 
is just outside of Oklahoma City. Now, what happened with his camp during the last few years of his life and afterward, I have to say, is unclear. A little detective work leads me to suspect that it's now the Cedar Hills Baptist Youth Camp, and that's mainly because the basic details match up. It's not just its location, but the camp happens to be 160 acres in size, and it has a 10-acre lake. So if you can confirm this, or if you have further information on Uncle Dan's camp, please let me know. I'd be curious to know what happened to it. Anyway, I'll leave with just one final quote from Uncle Dan. Quote, Show the little fellow that someone cares and get those hungry wrinkles out of his stomach, and he's all right. Unquote. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. Now, every year as the holidays approach, I look through my files for a good Christmas story, and I'm not always successful. But this year I had several in mind, um, but when I started researching Uncle Dan's story, I knew I had found what I was looking for. And maybe others have told the story since his passing in 1966, but I have to be honest, I didn't come across anything. It's just a great story that I felt needed to be told, and I hope you agree with that. Anyway, an update to the Twas the Night book contest. There were 74 entries, and I used a random number generator to pick the winner. And that was number 28, who happened to be Christina in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, I did mention this in the last retrocast, but I do appreciate all the nice comments that listeners placed in the comments box. They really were quite uplifting to read. I did want to mention that Spotify recently released its year-end summary of this podcast performance, and to my surprise, the most downloaded episode of the year was the first story I ever recorded that was called Bat Bombs. I did that back in December of 2007, and the audio is awful. So I listened to it for the first time in 17 years, and I sounded like I have a clothespin on my nose. My wife also added that I sounded very, very young, which of course I was. I was only six years old. No, I was 17 years younger than I am today, and I am 60 years old, so you can do the math there. I really have no desire to go back and re-record all those old episodes, but at the same time, I really don't want to delete them. I kind of see it as my body of work, and that's warts and all. You have to just take it as it is. So my solution was to record a short, modern intro for each one, and I've only gotten about 12 or 13 episodes in at this point. But in each one, I mention the date the episode is recorded, I warn a little bit about the poor sound quality, but more importantly, I provide a little background on each of the stories, you know, maybe how I came across it, what you're going to encounter, maybe give an update, uh, because some of them, you know, all these years later, something else has happened in the story. So uh, that's what I'm working on. It'll probably take me years to complete, um, but I am putting intros on those. But another thing I realize is that I've been recording this podcast longer than I thought. If you recall, last January announced the 15th anniversary of this podcast. And that was true, but what I didn't realize is that meant I had completed 15 years of episodes. I wasn't starting year 15. I had finished 15 years. That also means that since the 16th anniversary is fast approaching, I will be entering my 17th year of recording. Holy cow. Anyway, just a reminder, you can find the Useless Information Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe.
The Useless Information Podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. So be sure to visit airwavemedia.com where you will find a curated selection of some of the best podcasts out there. As always, thanks for listening and take care, everyone. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.